Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm editor Candace Gibson, joined by staff writer Josh Clark. Hi. Hi there. I just saw you yawn, and I was about to say, pardon you. No, actually, I was trying not to laugh uh, at Jerry. I was well, trying not what to. What did she do? She, she went, three, two, one. <laughs> it was kind of cute. Our producer, Jerry, just did that. We love her. Yeah. So, um, all right, Candace, you ready? Yeah, I am make, ready. The, make the heart symbol. <laughs> um, I was reading uh, Pardon Watch. Have you heard of this? No. I hadn't either, actually. I was actually preparing for this podcast because I'd noticed that I, I was needing to hydrate my skin a little more, which means one thing it's getting to be pardon season. <laughs> yeah. Uh, apparently, pardons come hard and fast, most in, in, in the uh, late fall, early winter. The president's final term, really. Yeah, well, that's when they come the most. Traditionally, I mean, a president can offer a pardon any time of the year, mm-hmm. but usually they're done uh, in the fall, uh, and uh, the most come at the end of a president's term, like you said, right? That makes sense to me. You know, it's October, you're walking through Bloomingdale's, the Christmas trees are up, and you're thinking about, you know, the season of forgiveness. Actually, kind of, I suspect that that does have a little something to do with it, to tell you the truth. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I was I was trying to figure out who George Bush might forgive or offer the, the season of forgiveness to this year, right? Amy Winehouse. I don't know. She she wasn't on this list. Uh, this is uh, from the Empty Wheel blog, which, again, hadn't heard of until I started Googling uh, pardon predictions, uh, which is one of my favorite things to do. It's like that naughty list. But I, they had some pretty good ones on there. Um, there were some that were, were fairly obvious. Uh, one for Karl Rove, which mm-hmm. would just kind of be a blanket pardon for anything he might be convicted of in in the future. Um Scooter Libby was one, although... I thought uh, he was already part of No, no, no. Not yet? Uh, we'll get into that. Okay. We'll use him as a great example because okay. he is a good example of what can and can't be done. Um, Alberto Gonzalez, obviously. Mm. Um, Rumsfeld was in addition. Somebody posted a comment and said, Rumsfeld? Um, not Abramoff, though. And the reason that the person who predicted um, whether or not he, these people would be pardoned said, because Abramoff was a snitch. So mm. doesn't think that uh, that George Bush will play ball with uh, Abramoff, but they do think he'll play ball with Roger Clemens. <laughs> yeah, and then they 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 were serious. They said that they think Clemens may get a pardon from Bush because Bush is a baseball guy. He used to be the uh, I think the the managing owner of the Texas Rangers for a while. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah. It's news to me. So um, this is these are just a few of the people who we may see get pardons in the future. And a pardon is. A funny thing. I don't know if it's that funny. Well, a funny in that it, it's kind of strange. There's a lot of moving pieces to a pardon. And on a very simple level, it's when a president excuses someone for an affront to the United States. Right. It's never for a local crime, a state crime, anything like that. It has to be to the United States as a whole. Right. And you can apply for a pardon, apparently. Like, they get applications for pardons. And in the 1980s, there was even a position formed for someone who would review the pardons mm-hmm. and research the person and see if he or she had been an upstanding citizen until this point and help inform the president about whether or not this person deserved a pardon. Right. And a pardon is, is granted exclusively by the president. It's something that Congress can't override. No. 
It's it's actually uh, in Article Two, Section Two of the Constitution. And I so have th- that. This wasn't an amendment. No, and written to the Constitution. Here's what it says: The President shall have the power to grant reprieves and pardons for offenses against the United States, except. And here's the big except in cases of impeachment. Mm -hmm. And it's about checks and balances here, too, because the president himself or herself can be impeached. He or she cannot pardon someone who's impeached. Does that make sense? Yeah, Yeah. totally. It does. And that's actually the Congress didn't come up with that impeachment part. The whole thing goes back to uh, English common law. The prerogative English kings. Yes. The the English kings uh, originally had the power to pardon anybody for anything at any time. No questions asked. Uh, they could release somebody from jail. They could keep their head off the chopping block. Um, and then finally, I think in the 17th or 18th century, um, Parliament was able to finagle their way into making that one imposition that uh, you a, a pardon doesn't have any effect on, on an act of impeachment. Right. That happened during King Charles II's reign. And this was a model for the framers of the Constitution, and it really split the framers in half, you know, ideologically, because some of them thought that America was based on the principle of being different from a monarchy mm-hmm. and that the president shouldn't have this sort of power like the king. And George Mason was one of the staunch opponents. Sure. By the other hand, Alexander Hamilton was one of the staunch advocates. And, and the reason pardon. why, it, it wasn't that uh, that Hamilton was just, you know, some lackey to all future presidents. He had a, a really good reason, and, and he argued it in the Federalist Papers, number 74. Uh, and he says that it's a great idea to have a pardon because... It, that power could actually be used to quell rebellion or insurrection um, uh, on a massive scale. Right, in the event of a national crisis. And ironically enough, just after Washington came into power, I think in 1794, mm-hmm. he had to issue a presidential pardon to farmers who'd been a part of the um, insurrection that caused the Whiskey Rebellion. Yeah, the, there was a huge tax levied on corn crops, mm-hmm. um, and these farmers revolted against this tax. Uh, and basically, it was a rebellion. They're, they were armed, and they were not happy at all. Um, and Washington basically negotiated an end to this rebellion by saying, look, if you guys go back to your farms, we'll talk about the tax. And I'm not entirely certain what happened with the tax. Uh, but if you guys lay down your arms and go back to, to life as farmers, we'll forget this whole thing ever happened. And he did it by issuing a pardon, and it worked as well. And that sounds to me almost like something that's called a conditional pardon, and that's when you agree to pardon someone, but you get something in return. Mm-hmm. And pardoning someone actually falls under the more general blanket of clemency, and there's a couple right. of different pieces to this as yeah. well. So we've got commutation, a pardon, a conditional pardon, remission, and respite. Yeah, now, um, commutation is what George Bush did for Scooter Libby, which is why he would still be eligible for a pardon. Commutation is basically shortening a sentence, uh, doing away with a fine. There, there, you know, any, any sentence that's been levied against you, uh, so long as it was levied by a federal court, um, it can be commuted. So let's say you're in jail for, you, you were sentenced for 10 years and the president, uh, commutes your sentence to five. You just serve five years and then after that you're out. And this also happened in the case of Patty Hearst as well, back in the 1970s. This was the granddaughter of the publishing magnate, William Hearst. Mm -hmm. And she got caught up with cult and supposedly was brainwashed and convinced to go and 
uh, conduct this huge bank robbery, and her sentence was commuted by Jimmy Carter, I think. What did she serve, like two of ten years or seven of ten years? I, I believe so. So, yeah, Carter commuted her sentence, and then later on he uh, talked uh, President Clinton into uh, issuing a full pardon, which he did. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Petty Hearst is a pretty famous example. There, there's yeah. um, So that was a, also a commutation and a pardon. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the big distinction between a commutation and a pardon is uh, if a sentence is commuted, you may be released from prison or something like that. But or you're still let a felon. Right. If somebody looks up your records, they find that you are a convicted felon, right? With a pardon, it basically restores you to the state of grace that you enjoyed right before you committed that crime. Which means you can vote. You can serve on jury duty. You can own a firearm. You can own a firearm. You're yeah. a full-fledged citizen. Your, your civil abilities are restored. It's right? like someone just took a magic eraser and whoop, there it goes. Yeah, and there was actually a guy that uh, Bush pardoned in 2007 who had been running a um, uh, some sort of big gambling outfit and the feds broke it up on Super Bowl Sunday 1997 or something like that and he he was issued a pardon and he said in the in an interview the reason he'd sought a pardon is cuz he didn't want his grandkids to know that he'd been a felon so mm-hmm. now if they ever look up their granddad it won't come up unless they happen to pull up this Washington Post <laughs> story then they'll say oh well granddad was a felon well, how about that yeah so Let's break down the other types. Okay. And the conditional pardon, we've touched on that. That's when the president issues a pardon but asks for something in return. Right. A good example would be Teddy Roosevelt. When he pardoned people in the Philippines for an uprising, mm-hmm. he said, we'll forgive you for your offenses to the United States, but you have to swear allegiance and loyalty. And Yeah, know. and this is back when the Philippines were a U.S. territory. Right. Yeah. That'd be good to know as well. <laughs> what some, are we doing down there? Yeah, there's some Swedes out there going, what are you talking about, you know? <laughs> Okay, so now we have remission, and this is when a person is released from some sort of legal obligation. Like uh, a, a fine. Yes. It, it's specifically a fine. Yes. And then the last one, respite. Yeah, this is temporary. It can last for like a month or two uh, and could be used to um, to conduct a more uh, intensive investigation. Uh, maybe uh, there's, a, there's a good person who... Um, or a good example, I should say, of somebody who deserves respite is uh, Troy Davis. Oh, uh, yeah, a very recent news story. Yeah, he Sentenced to be executed in Atlanta. Yeah, he uh, was accused of shooting a cop uh, many, many years ago. And uh, apparently over the years, 90% of the witnesses or some made, some huge percentage of the, the eyewitnesses recanted their testimony. Or gave different versions each time. Apparently and- a guy who was there had um, allegedly uh, confessed to being the one who shot uh, the cop. So mm-hmm. he was on death row, and they just recently, he was granted respite, I believe. I think just within hours yeah. of his execution time. Yeah. Yeah, and so respite essentially buys time, like you said, so that you can research and decide whether or not a pardon is merited. Mm-hmm. So, those, so are, those are the different kinds of pardons. Yeah, and if y'all are still with us <laughs> after all of that. Wake up. Wake up. Um, here's where it gets kind of juicy. Uh, we talked a couple of weeks ago on another podcast about uh, whether or not the Electoral College decides the vote mm-hmm. or if we decide the vote. And this is a, a hot-button issue because some people say that we should amend the Constitution to disband the Electoral College and let the people's vote decide. I agree with that. Well, Congress has also a couple of times thought about introducing bills to overturn the presidential pardon. Mm-hmm. And because it's written to the Constitution, this can be a long and sticky process. But so far, none of these bills have uh, made it through to a certain stage and none of them have really held water. But 
because the government has three different branches, we have legislative, judicial, and executive, and because only the president, head of the executive branch, can issue pardons, if there's some funny business going on with the executive branch and someone's called to testify before Congress, the person, you know, can choose to waffle back and forth or not really testify or not show up, supposedly, until Taft came in and fixed that. Yeah, and this is weird. Um and let's let's get to a fact or fiction part. Is it fact okay. or fiction that there's nothing anybody can do about a presidential pardon? That's easy. Fiction. Oh, okay. So, yeah. w- so what can be done? Oh, okay. You say like you're surprised. You know as well as I do what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> At least I didn't say thanks for clearing that thanks up. Thanks for clearing that up. Um, Taft came in, and essentially he was the one who said, "You can't pardon someone who's in contempt." So that's the check and balance there. If Something's happening with the executive branch. A witness is called in to testify. They are bound constitutionally to testify before Congress. And if they don't, then they're held in contempt. Mm-hmm. And the president, also the executive branch, cannot pardon that person. No. Um, and also because this this came out of the, the clarification that pardons could only be used for affronts to the federal government, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Congress... I guess it was argued, uh, is kind of exempt from that. So a con- an affront to Congress, a contempt, being held in contempt by Congress, it's an exists to the US. outside of that, that pardon power, Yeah, actually. Uh, and did you know that Congress actually has a little jailhouse behind the uh, each of the each of the chambers. I didn't know that. So where you can, if you're held in contempt, they can take you right off the floor and hold you indefinitely against your will, be imprisoned by the members of Congress until you're ready to talk. Even if you're wearing your nicest Brooks Brothers suit, exactly. You're not Especially about the if law. you're wearing your, your nicest Brooks Brothers <laughs> we suit, we see what you're doing. <laughs> so uh, if Congress holds you in contempt, all of a sudden you may be compelled to testify against a crooked president or something like that. Um, so. The, the president can't just say, how about this? I'm just going to grant you a pardon right now, and there's nothing they can do about it. Actually, they can't. They can hold you in contempt for not testifying, and then you're in big trouble. So this was a big check and balance that actually, like you said, William Howard Taft elucidated as uh, the chief justice of the Supreme Court. What's ironic is that Taft had been president 11 years before, and so, he basically ruled against this power of the president. Yeah, and I think that that was a pretty smart move, and who better than Taft, who had been president, to suggest this, because he knew how powerful the president can be. Mm-hmm. So. 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 So you've got this uh, this uh, contempt clause basically taken out or added to the uh, the understanding of impeachment. And that's why we're seeing today um, with the whole attorney general firings scandal going on, uh, you're not seeing pardons being issued hard and fast. You're seeing um, executive privilege cited, mm-hmm. actually, which that's that's pretty much the reason why. Well, when it comes to pardons, it's interesting to look at who's granted the most, who's granted the least. Agreed. Do you know who granted the most I know you do. You read the article. I did. Uh, FDR. <laughs> yeah. And it was a whopping 3,687. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, he did serve three terms. He did, but the, it was still a 1,000 pardons more than the next highest guy. Yeah. And pretty recently, Clinton granted 459, and he served two terms. He had some scandalous pardons. He pardoned Mark Rich, who was the ex-husband of um, one of his big donors, mm-hmm. Denise Rich. 
um, for tax evasion to the tune of 50 million bucks. He was very much criticized for that. He was also criticized for pardoning his own brother, Roger. Do you know that? Yeah. Roger had been convicted of cocaine uh, distribution in the 80s. Um, the thing is, in, in, in Clinton, in President Clinton's defense, Roger um, served his full term, paid all his fines, and had been out of prison and like living a normal life for many, many years by the time he was actually pardoned. And that's generally customary. When you're pardoned, commutations are very, very rare. When right. Scooter Libby's sentence was commuted before he even served a single second in jail, uh, there was a lot of uh, analysis of it, and, and people did some research and found that that is not a common thing at all. Uh, pardons usually come... At some point, years after the after the the sentence has been carried out and fines have been paid, right. restitution has been made, and the person's tried to serve an, or lead an exemplary life since then, that kind of thing. And one of the reasons for that is that even though there's not a a thing that we can do about a presidential pardon, we can certainly voice our ire. Definitely. And because we have freedom of the press, you know, we can quickly disseminate that anger toward the president. So especially now, where there are offices created to research who deserves pardons. There's plenty of information available on who should get it, who mm-hmm. shouldn't get it. We all know. The president knows. And again, can't be overturned, but he can be reamed publicly for it. He can be. But, you know, if you think about it, America these days, we don't burn enough things in effigy. You know, our <laughs> ire is, isn't stoked easily enough. This isn't like Poland or anything like that. You know, where you, you if, if the government does something to irk everybody, they're going to let you know in the streets pretty quick. You I know? don't know. When I drove to work this morning and yesterday, I saw a little old lady walking around with a sandwich board on that um, said something to the tune of, I don't know, taxes, blah, blah, blah. Wow. Clearly, it made a real impact. <laughs> it made it, I was driving so fast. I couldn't really tell. But she was <laughs> she was putting her ire on display. Um, another thing about pardons we should mention, aside from public ire, is that, and I don't think this happens very frequently, but a pardon isn't official if the person being pardoned doesn't accept it. Uh, that that used to be the rule. Like you, you the the grantee, the person being pardoned, had to say, "Oh, great, thanks, I want this." Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think it was uh, Coolidge, Calvin Coolidge. Oh, okay, I got who, confused about this. Point basically, then. there was a guy. Yes, this is the rule before Coolidge, mm-hmm. and then Coolidge um, pardoned a guy uh, who didn't want to leave jail, and Coolidge had him thrown out. He told the warden to lock the door behind him, and the guy had to leave jail whether he liked it or not. Clearly been institutionalized or the food was really good in the jail he'd been in, but that kind of altered the the rule a little bit. And that's kind of how pardons have existed. And just a sidebar on Coolidge, just because I don't think people know how cool Coolidge really was. I I love this man. He was sort of a a very powerful man, a few words. I remember when he was up for re-election. I don't remember like I was there in first person. But um, apparently he was pretty popular and people wanted him to run again. And he took the stage for this big speech. People thought maybe he would announce he was running again. People thought maybe he'd offer some sort of grand goodbye. He approaches the mic and he says, I choose not to run for re-election. Exit stage left. It's over. That's a cool customer right there. Indeed. That's a Coolidge customer. Anyway. um, Can I I say one last thing? Yeah, of course. little pardon scandal tidbit. Mm -hmm. You know Lincoln? Oh, I knew you were going to bring this up. (laughs) He actually, he pardoned a guy um, who was uh, convicted of attempted bestiality. And his defense was what? He's such a stand-up guy in all other aspects of his character. And and that he'd been drunk during the time in question. So he was pardoned by Abraham Lincoln. I know frat boys today who don't get away with that much. (laughs) Gosh. 
Anyway, if you want to learn even more about presidential pardons, please read How Presidential Pardons Work on HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. <laughs>